0: The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance.
1: I'm Suzanne Mitchell.
0: We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour of a Saturday. And, of course, that means it's time for us to work once again, much to our delight, with he who simply prefers to be referred to as the, the dude. dude. That's Mike Roberge. Michael, how are you today, sir? Good morning, guys. Uh, doing well, as always. That's another just a typical easy Saturday morning here in the great
1: Pacific Northwest oh, I love that I me love too that. easy Saturday morning we're, we're gonna make it easy too. only I think we might get into a little conflict
0: and we'll resolve it <laughs> <laughs> Because we have expert help today that's for yeah. sure and who hasn't had from time to time and for some people It seems to be a bit of a lifestyle actually a lifestyle choice Maybe hmm, but people get themselves into conflict And we want to talk about that and how to get out of conflict and back into harmony. We should talk
1: with an expert about that. About
0: viable living, workable arrangements, the art of compromise, all that good stuff that is encompassed under that umbrella term conflict resolution. We're talking about Dr. Deidre Combs. We have some brief mad props for her, and then we're going to bring this lady back after how many years?
1: We don't have her on often enough, that's for sure, because we really like her, and and we, we've been on the air now. This is our 13th year on air, but, you know, we need to have Deidre on a little bit more often. Absolutely. Dr. Deidre Combs is an international consultant, instructor, and speaker who coaches individuals and teams to overcome difficult e- circumstances. She is an experienced mediator. She's also the author of at least three books that we know about, and that is The Way of Conflict, Worst Enemy, Best Teacher, and Thriving Through Tough Times, which have all graced our bookshelves here. We are happy to bring her on once again to talk about uh, conflict. Deidre Holmes, welcome to Manson Mitchell.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure to be back with you, too. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Oh, happy to have you back. Last time we talked, it was about thriving through tough times, which at that time was your most recent book. But it it's interesting that, you know, when we see the division in the country, when we see the conflict going on with human beings, Gary said, we got to talk conflict again. Let's talk about that and also I think you wanted to ask Deidre about what she's been up to Gary. Well well, yes that and I also
0: just want to state as I was arranging with Deidre on the phone for this interview she wanted to know okay well what do you want to talk about and I said you know I have a theme in mind let's call it how to handle human conflict humanely because the average human being isn't very good at it. He hasn't had the opportunity necessarily to study the principles involved and those principles do exist Deidre Combs has mastered them. And so Deirdre, when I when I approach you, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. And secondly, as we start to deal with this idea of handling human conflict humanely, there's an underlying question for me. I think it's a nice soft way of getting into this material, I'm very curious to know, and many of our listeners will be as well, as to how you made such a sterling career out of it, because it isn't the kind of thing that you would seemingly fall into, or did you? But you're really on purpose when it comes to showing people how to resolve conflict.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because, you know, throughout this career, people will say, you do what? And and you study what, you know, <laughs> that I am passionate about understanding conflict and, and, uh, and how to resolve it has been, been a good source of jokes over the years because, um, you know, who wants to think about conflict? It's, it's messy and risky and scary. Um, and yet the reason I'm so passionate about it, uh, Gary and Susan, is that it is the only way we grow. Um, you really can't think of a time when when you've become better, uh, when your circumstances have changed, or you have sharpened without some form of conflict. Um, and I think that's what threw me into into the study. Wow, you know, now twenty years ago, um, I started. One of the, the ways that I got into conflict resolution was I was facilitating really contentious meetings for IBM. I was a project manager and liaison for them, and um, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, it was a real disaster. And one meeting, I sat back because I didn't know what else to do. I thought, well, I'm going to get fired because this is just a, such a mess. Those customers are walking out and executives were, you know, just shaking their head. And I just thought, stopped and I thought, what do my customers want to know? And I started to pretend to be my customers and asking the questions that they wanted to ask IBM in the language that IBM would understand. And then I was translating back from IBM language to customer language, and things changed. And we started to create a partnership with the customers and and the company that had never been there before. Um, I loved that I came out of the meeting and everyone thought I was wonderful. Um, I got to tell you that got me excited. I thought, ooh, that was fun to see that there was um, there's some there there's some skills here that I probably could gather. Um, but I also got excited because I realized there was an incredible opportunity sitting there in that meeting that just with skills we were then able to access. And so that sent me on a search. Uh, you know, multi-decade search to figure out, um, you know, how do we move well through difficult circumstances. And I, and I got to tell you, I love it. Um, and uh, and at the same time, when conflict comes my way, I'm like everybody else. I'm like, oh, really? Do we have to do this? I just would rather have everything be calm and harmonious. But I'm, I've come to learn that in each conflict lies incredible opportunity.
1: Deidre, it, it seems to me in in the most simplistic way when I think about conflict, I always think that there are just two camps. And I always think of the larger camp of people as conflict avoidance. I will do anything not to be in a conflict. I will walk away. I will hang up. I will sit, I will agree to things I don't want to do. I will do anything to avoid a conflict. I will just say yes. Then the other camp, which is a small but powerful group, are the people who actually enjoy the contest, enjoy the sparring. Uh, they put on their gloves because they want to see how well they can do. Can I make my points? Can I persuade them to my way of thinking? And so there are people, I think, who really enjoy getting into the ring of conflict. And I, and I don't mean physical conflict, you know, as in boxers and wrestlers, but, but you know, really just the uh, verbal conflict. Where people just want to get in and and talk their way into a win somehow, and um, how how what do you find when you're dealing with individuals and groups is the more difficult camp to deal with in trying to resolve a conflict? The ones who are avoiding it or the ones who really want to get in and fight. <laughs> Well, you bring up um, two
2: important finds for me in terms of how, to, how, for, how I negotiate through conflict. One is recognizing that um, there's actually four types of conflict. We think of it as just interpersonal conflict, but there really are um, the, the internal conflicts that we have. So that's one. We've got these interpersonal, which, uh, you know, kind of seem like the most obvious. We also, as human beings, have conflict with institutions or organizations, um, country, you know, um, you know, can everything from, from the company I'm working for to the city I live in. And then we also have, as a fourth conflict, too, you know, conflicts with life, um, with aging and illness and, and you know, the, these crazy rules where we're yelling at the sky, going, Really? You're going to do that to me, too? So recognizing that we have all of these different types of conflicts, and the beauty is is that we can work with all of them using the same sorts of tools. One of the tools that I use that you're bringing up beautifully is that there are, in my study, I, what I did is looked at traditions, uh, cultural and religious traditions around the world, find, trying to find the wisdom that's been there for thousands of years. You know, what would a grandmother from Bangladesh or Boston or or, or Budapest, um, these wise grandmothers, what would they tell me to do when I'm in a difficult circumstance? When I did this study, kind of global study, I found that there's actually four different elemental styles um, of, of conflict, of ways that we address it. For some of us, just like you're saying, uh, conflict for us is horrible. We want to run away from it. Um, it's it, it just is emotionally so draining and difficult that we want want it to go away. That around the world is um, associated with our emotions, and in some cultures they would say it's it's a watery style. It's, that we just want to flow away. You're you're bringing up another style, which is the fire or the the very passionate style where we go conflict, yes, battle, and we want to get in there and 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 really go after it. And and often when we use that style, we're really excited about conflict because we we like the opportunity in it, and we just like the fight. Um, there's other two other styles. You'll find that some people just get quiet. They say no. They just kind of become like mountains, um, and they're just trying to gather facts. They want the conflict to go away, but you may not even know they're, they're involved in the conflict, and that's more of an earthy style a practical style and then last there are those of us who come in and say you've got a problem well let's quickly fix it they're in there trying to problem solve and listen to the, the arguments of every side and trying to quickly get to solution for me all four styles if I can recognize the style um, I know what the underlying need is so, and, and if I can give that person what they're wanting um, and what the information source is that they're gathering, and I'll go back to those to help it to make more sense, um, that calms people down. You know, we're talking today about how to do this humanely. And when uh, when we're in conflict, we're scared. And what we end up doing is, just like you said, we go to those those fear-based responses of either flight, <laughs> the watery approach, fight, that fiery approach. Um, in some ways, freeze is what the um, we might look like when we go into that earthy style, which is, I'm not moving. I'm going to hope this all disappears and goes away. So how do I get people out of fight, flight, freeze, and bring them back into creative problem-solving? So I'm always looking for what style is that other person exhibiting, and then how can I give them the information that they need um, to bring them back into their center, so we can work together and find the opportunity in the conflict. Um, I've been I've been rambling. I don't know if you want to add oh, you know anything, you know Deirdre,
1: those I- needs. No, I can no, tell you, how well versed you are in the topic. I'm I'm not only enthralled, I'm even taking notes here because I think what you're saying is so phenomenally interesting for the fact that my sense of things is that there is more open conflict these days, more, um, you know, road rage, there, there, the gun shootings, you know, all this stuff that's going on Feels like conflict is is not being handled in a uh, Victorian type of way where people are just uh, you know quietly turning on their heels and walking away. It feels like conflict is is more uh, people are are doing it more, and and so I like the kinds of things that you're saying because they're all very practical about how to interact with people, how to first recognize you know, what it is that's going on with them and then how to interact with them in such a way that you can. And I guess the goal is to reduce the conflict in order to resolve it.
2: Yes, it's, you, you've got it. It's really how to reduce the fear. Um, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, the, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So what we're seeing is people are really afraid right now. Um, you know, things are, 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 heightening this fight, flight, freeze response and, and we're not at our best. And so what are the things that we can do to honor that people are human and how to bring them back into a place of centeredness and a little less fear so that we can work on, on the issues. You know, I was thinking about, um, You know, just as you're saying that with road rage, for example, um, you know, the people who kind of 20 minutes later after they've just been all revved up, you know, how when we come out of that uh, and and recognize, oh, my gosh, what what just happened? Um, When fear takes over, we just we go to our reptilian brain, which is at the back of our skull and, you know, down it's kind of this base response. Um, We only think in the present. We only think about ourselves, and it usually takes about twenty minutes for us to get out of it. Um, You know what we really are wanting to do, and the 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 work of conflict resolution is how to get people up into their neocortex, up at the top of your head, um, and into your prefrontal lobes. You know, (laughs) right below, you know, behind your forehead, Um, and this is where you're more advanced processing happens that you can think in past present and future that you think about other people besides yourself and there's tricks to do that so you know instead of feeling like oh my gosh this is all out of control and there's nothing we can do it's the sense of we're all off-center how can we bring ourselves back to center so we can we can or back into our neocortex so that we can do better and there's tricks for that so for example Um, If I ask someone who's very, who's in that, you know, kind of in a fight flight um, standpoint from an earth perspective and they're just saying no and there's, you know, they've gone into just, you know, complete um, mountain mode is if I can ask open ended questions, I can slow down, I can be with that person um, that will often bring them to center with water. And the person who's who is a, a more emotional and just wants the conflict to go away and is really in in flight. If I can give that person gentleness and space, if I can use self deprecating humor to remind that person that I'm human as well, um, that often will help that person to flow to my side. With when someone is very fiery and they're really revved up. Um, and they're getting verbally violent or, or another way, if I can acknowledge that passion behind it, I can recognize what the person is saying, how it's impacting them, and the emotion behind it, I, I meet them and say, I see how incredibly furious you are, and I do that in a way that matches it, that will often calm that person down. And if someone is in problem-solving mode, they want to know I'm with them. So I want to give them fast, feedback and speak from my own perspective, because what they're trying to do is to help to solve the problem. And that lets them know that they're not alone. There's other tips and techniques as well. But this is thought of, instead of, oh, that person is horrible, they're arrogant, they're mean, they're violent. I mean, those are all real things. But what they're also telling you loud and clear is I'm terrified right now. So what are the things that I can do To make the situation just a tiny bit safer, so that we might react and maybe even respond a little bit better.
0: Deidre, what I love about I love all of what you just said, but one piece stuck out for me in particular, and that is the phrase problem solving mode. If you make clear to the other party that you are ready to go into problem solving mode or to borrow from the program on negotiation that they teach at Harvard law school. If you are willing to be hard on the problem, but soft on the people, you then mm-hmm. are communicating what you're doing. And it's so healthy, critically healthy, I would think to, uh, any decent legitimate outcome or the resolution of conflict. You need to be open to showing empathy. Going into problem-solving mode opens the door to empathy.
2: Right, you're 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 on it. I mean, um, there's a. I mean, I'm not going to remember the the person who said this quote, but it's this recognition that everyone is fighting a hard battle.
0: Um, Plato
2: and right is that Plato right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and that that you know remembering oh we're all human in this and. And that there is that innate sense of struggle, and how can I start to put myself in that other person's shoes? Um, When I'm teaching, uh, and you were asking about the work that I've been doing as of late, and um, I, I, you know, in addition to being a management consultant and an executive coach, I have this wonderful opportunity to work with. Uh, rising leaders from around the world who get state department scholarships to come get leadership development in the US for a month to, to four months. And so I get to coach them and teach them about leadership and conflict resolution. Um, and uh, it, you know, it's an, an incredible it's just been an incredible gift to be able to spend time, time with them and hear the hard battles that, that they're facing. Um, but one of the things I will tell them, I said, if you remember nothing else from, from your teacher or, as I say, uh, you know, <laughs> from your auntie Dee because <laughs> Deidre is a hard name um, if you're not, if English isn't your first language, uh, is to remember to say, tell me more. Tell me more. And in, in that, we start to learn a little bit more about the other person's journey. Um, and their perspective and their window on the world. And as you said, it starts to open empathy. Um, And it is when we're in conflict, and it is so messy and scary and awful, if we can just remember one thing, (laughs) just to be able to say, okay, (laughs) Auntie Dee Dee said, hey, tell me more. Um, And it's amazing what we can learn. You know, tell me more why you think I'm such a terrible person. Tell me more about what I'm missing here tell me more why I'm not understanding this situation and uh, and that the, that that empathy can grow and
1: we can start to find solutions
0: go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I
1: I'm, I'm kind of, I went backwards in my my list making here and I'm looking at the different types of conflict because uh, as you're talking about um, different methodologies, It seems as though it applies most specifically to interpersonal conflict, which is the conflict that I feel is probably the most prevalent. I'm not sure if that's right or not. Um, When I look at at, uh, institutions or organizations or life itself or internal, it seems like the conflicts that bother us the most are the ones that are with other people, I, I was thinking of an internal conflict that I had. And I, I can't say exactly that it was resolved. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But it had to do, interestingly enough, with kind of a road rage. And that was two different trips to a Costco. I went to mm. a Costco and I, and I found somebody pulling out and I stopped and I put my signal on and I waited And as they pulled out another car came from another direction, but I was able to squeak in ahead of them and they were so angry. They were swearing at me and saying all kinds of bad words. And I felt very righteous about it. It's like, I was here first. I did have my signal on. I was completely stopped. That was the spot that I had identified as mine. But of course, I didn't feel good about being yelled at and sworn at in the parking lot. The, the second time that something similar happened, once again went to that Costco parking lot and somebody was um, pulling out and I arrived and another car arrived almost simultaneously. And so as the, as the car was pulling out of the one very good close parking space, I was thinking I've been in this situation before and I didn't like being sworn at and yelled at in the parking lot for taking that spot. Mm -hmm. And, and when the car pulled out and the, the spot was completely empty, the, the two cars, me and the other car were all, were both looking to get into that space. And I made a grand gesture with my arm that they should take the spot. And then I moved hmm. on. And, and so I felt pretty good about myself. And I would say in that circumstance, it didn't have to do with another person necessarily. It was an internal conflict as to whether or not I wanted to fight for a parking space or give up a parking space. And how did I feel in both of those circumstances? And, and so the reason I'm bringing it up is that it seems like you need different tools for different types of conflicts.
0: And let me just add, I'll just sneak this in. Uh, Deidre, when Suzanne originally told me this story, I held my breath as she said, and so I made a grand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> How grand are we talking?
1: I waved my arm and I We're signaled,
2: please,
1: please take the spot. Please take the spot. Oh. <laughs> and, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to find another spot. The divine in the world is going to give me a good spot. And I did get a good spot. not Not as good as that one, but, you know, almost as good. And so I really didn't have a problem with the whole thing. But I got into the store not having been yelled at. And I didn't want a repeat of that experience, not like, ha-ha, I beat you out, because I didn't really win that first time, even though I got the better parking spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, so
2: beautiful. Um, And what you're bringing up is all these different layers to each conflict that shows up in our life. Right? So you had an internal conflict about yourself and, and your own identity. Am I that person, right? Am I that girl that heals yeah. everybody's yeah. parking spots, right? So you're, right. you're working with that. And um, the conflict that we have, the, the bigger conflict with time, right? Where you're thinking, I've only got this half an hour and I've got to get in, I've got to get out. And, you know, how's this all going to work? So we're doing that that, that fourth type of conflict. And then the very practical, you've got human beings involved and so you've got that interpersonal, you know, happening um, and how to work with each of those layers um, and see that each opportunity, you know, as we're walking on this earth is, uh, you know, it's, it's a school. Um, it, we can think of it as, you know, if we think of it as the metaphor of is, is conflict battle or is conflict school? And looking at the different traditions all around the world, I kept coming back to, it should be school. <laughs> we're here to learn. And and it sounds like between the first and the second, you were learning more about yourself, um, more about how you wanted to, you know, be in that situation, um, you know, in and trying different moves. It's, um, the martial well, arts traditions are so great that way. I, Getting,
1: I, like, I wanted, getting on them on the mat yeah. you know i wanted to be um, magnanimous in the second conflict but i think you hit on something that i have thought about before and i have done before and that is being different trying to be different you don't always mm-hmm. go to your default And I think when you're, when you're always at your default, you know, like, like when you're a carpenter, you know, and everything is a nail and you've got the hammer, um, it, it seems like if you try different things out, what you're doing is giving yourself multiple types of experiences. You can try running away. You can try standing and fighting. You can try uh, being quiet and seeing what happens next. It seems like you can try different ways of being to see what the result is. It, 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 it is very much like a school. It is like uh, having different experiences and then, and then seeing you know what experience you like and what, what you might want to repeat, what works, what doesn't work, may not work every time. Um, it, it's really just kind of a big old experiment being a human.
2: <laughs> yes, and and how much more fun it is when we think of it that way, right? Um, I loved when I was doing all this research was the theme of of conflict coming up as a game, you know, and thinking about how do we want to play this game well. Um, and you're 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 bringing that up, and and when we get into the thought of it being like an experiment or a game play comes in. And guess where we process play? We process it in our neocortex and our prefrontal lobes, so we do it so, so, so much better. Um, it's, there's no surprise that in the martial arts traditions, which is just all about practicing conflict and resolving conflict, is we get on the mat again and again and again, and we bow to this opponent that we see as our teacher, that without them we won't learn. And we practice moves and just like you said, it's like, okay, I'm gonna try this move on you and in a different day I might try that same move on you and you are gonna be practicing and noticing, oh wow, that move used to just take me down to the you know, town to the ground. But oh today I spun around and and didn't let it bother me. And oh look how that might work. You also bring up this beautiful um, point around how one day a move might work well, an approach, and other days it's terrible. Um, in the 3,000 year old text, The Art of War, uh, Sun Tzu would say that, uh, you are looking for the next action that has the most sure. And sure is S H I H. And sure is this point, it's, it's, it's elegant. So it's got this sense of the most power and elegance to it. So how to recognize that I don't just do the same darn thing every day because that's not very skillful. Um, But yet at this moment, this might be a really good place for me to laugh, hand that person the parking spot, and giggle my way into Costco. Um, Or, you know, this time it might be, uh, I want to stand my ground. Um, And try that, uh, and see if if that's the move that has the most sure. So, uh, Susan, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's a very real example that I think we all deal with. Um, On a daily basis, we get, the the world is full of conflict. Um, You know, water hitting rock is conflict. (laughs) Gravity is conflict. Um, the, The world just doesn't exist without conflict. We need difference for us to be here. Um, for you and I both to, you know,
0: for the, the three of us to exist. Deidre, let's go ahead and take our break. We're running a little past time. When you're having fun, you get involved in deep conversation. This is the kind of thing that happens. So let's get in our quick break. We are talking with Dr. Deidre Combs. She is an expert in the art and science of conflict resolution, and she travels all over North America and spends more than her fair share of time in DC trying to resolve conflict among parties who are dealing with high stakes negotiations. We'll have more questions for Deidre Combs. I'm sure she will have more elegant answers on the other side of this break. We are Manson Mitchell and you are tuned into Seattle's home of alternative talk AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell.
3: You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life, but there simply aren't enough people giving blood. survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today.
0: An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. The
1: following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Dr. Deidre Combs. And thank you, Dave Mason. We just disagree. That's all. We just disagree. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We just disagree. Deidre, if people would like to get in touch with you because they are interested in this topic, and you have three really great books out. What is your website? Talk about your books again, and how can people get in touch with you?
2: Oh, well, they can get a hold of me at my on my website, which is Combs and Company. All the words are spelled out, .com, CombsandCompany.com, and Combs is like multiple combs in your hair. Uh, and the three books are The Way of Conflict, uh, Worst Enemy, The Best Teacher, and the last one is Thriving Through Tough Times. And uh, they are all available on Amazon and pretty much everywhere you can, you can get books online. Um, I, hopefully that, that answers those. I would love to hear from folks. And, yes, there's a, a Contact Us on the website. And uh, look forward to hearing hearing from folks if I can be of support.
1: Excellent. Thank you for that.
0: Deidre, I wanted to ask you, referring in particular to your wonderful book, The Way of Conflict, that was my introduction to you and your work. Great book. It, by the way, can you sure, get it on you. Kindle?
2: Yes, you can. All three of the books are on Kindle. So, Perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, and you can get Worst Enemy Best Teacher in Spanish and Arabic. So, kind Wow. Of fun.
0: Well, I'll stick with the English version. That's the one I understand best. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and what a beautiful book seen from many angles. Deidre, there is in any conflict a stage, it seems to me, there is a stage where you have to decide whether or not you're going to go forward with honest attempts to resolve the conflict because there is the need to see the light versus the need to be in the right And with an example Mm. that is upon us, in some people, that need to be right is so strong that they will go so far as to make injudicious use of a Sharpie. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) And so when we, we deal with someone who is right, they know they're right, they're going to prove that they're right by any means necessary so that you understand that they're right and succumb to their agenda from the White House to the Poor House and every place in between, you see this kind of behavior. And it seems to me that would be a particularly difficult challenge for a mediator like you in that role having to deal with these people who have very trenchant opinions about what reality looks like.
2: I know, yes. And, you know, it's so fascinating. We have this, this belief that our belief. That we've got the you know that we've got the whole thing figured out is that our reality that I can see out of my limited two eyes and my own little two ears you know that that's giving me a full view of what is so um, that I love in the Hindu tradition that talk about the universe as this great being you know and that you might sit on the end of a fingernail and then I'm on the end of a hair. And only by me asking you what you're seeing, am I going to have even a tiny bit better sense of what this greater whole is that we're of, of which we're a part? Um, yet our beliefs become—we almost hold them in a death grip. It's if I take away your vision or version of what the world is like, or what, or what the divine is, or what it means to be a woman. Um, if, you t- if, I, if I lose that, that I will somehow die. But it's just a set, a set of beliefs. Um, and so you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we get so terrified that we're going to lose this mental construct. And that's all it is. It's a story that we've constructed um, that um, it, that we can become just intractable, that we become that terrified. Um, one of the ways to work with people who are that, like that, terrified around their beliefs is to ask them more about their story, and to get as much as you can from their worldview to understand it, um, and that that in in a way might I've found will open people bit by bit to recognizing there might be a little more information that might support them. As mediators, we're always taught to gather as much of each side's story as makes sense. You know, obviously, um, you know that that pertains to the situation. And so, when we're mediating, we're looking to help folks to see that intersection between their two worlds. Um, In the, there's an ancient symbol of you know, it looks like a Venn diagram, which they called the mandorla. And what you're trying to do is to describe that intersection between the two opposites um, enough so that that people can start to see a common way through to solution. So if I'm telling you why it's so important that women are this particular way, I start to maybe hear that you really deeply value children. And the other side may value children as well. And so we can use that as a sliver to start to create more of a shared reality. But, oof, you are right. People get, they get their Sharpies, and they get their tweets, and and off they go.
0: And they make their own reality. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is just a story. It's just a story.
0: That also can lead to a point. I want to give you credit also, Deidre, for bringing up an idea that had never occurred to me before I read The Way of Conflict, and boom, it was right in my face. You indicate that it is likely, if not probable, at some point in the stages of resolving conflict for the parties involved to reach a point where one or both sides figures it's impossible. We can't go beyond. I feel despair about the situation because I just don't think it can be resolved. And you're very reassuring in that regard because you anticipate it and you encourage the reader to accept that it is quite likely that you will reach a point of despair and then you need to work through it
2: yes yes you're oh Gary I'm glad you bring that up um there is always this point and in our lives too where we just feel helpless and hopeless so when we're having those big conflicts with you know with the greater you know existence um where we're just like This is impossible and it feels so dark and hopeless is to recognize that's a natural part of the growth and evolution process, natural part of the change process, natural part of the conflict process. And how can we, as we're advised by wise people over thousands of years to do, is to just sit and be and recognize that what was is ending. So the way I thought the world was, is ending and wait and what is coming will be could could be bigger and expanded but it's just not there yet the relationship that we had before the conflict is in a way dying and a new relationship is forming and and emerging hopefully um, but there is that part of darkness it's amazing in every good story uh, just to, to know, you know, where conflict arises and a, a place to find wisdom is in all the great stories across time. Um, you know, you think of Beauty and the Beast, where that last petal is about to fall. And the prince is for potentially going to be a beast for the rest of his life. That um, those moments um, are in every great story. And so in our great story, um, we have those as well. And how do we just sit and be, um, and, and, and in a way, wait? Um, uh, you know, I like to say that if we, if we do conflict well, it's recognizing that it is initially lose-lose. My initial position and your initial position have to be lost so that we can find that shared position that is actually a win-win. Um, so that, that, that the paradox of conflict—that um, there's great hope in the hopelessness—is uh, is part of it all. I think paradox for me has been understanding and and just embracing that paradox comes has been one of the greatest gifts of all of the study. Um, yeah, I hate love conflict. <laughs>
0: Yes. I'm impatiently
2: patient with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was a, gosh, I might have been a freshman in college when I took this class. It was a 100 level drama class, like intro to drama. And I remember the professor saying something and we're going back a long ways here. I remember (laughs) that he said, when it comes to dramaturgy, when when you're putting on a show, if you are going to write or perform in a drama, you need to realize that conflict leads to resolution is the first rule of drama. If you don't have yeah. a conflict, basically you don't have a show.
2: Exactly. And that's a
0: reflection of, right. <laughs> and that's a reflection of human life.
2: Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're not, all, if you don't have some conflict and for some of us, you know, I love just Susan was bringing up, you know, for some of us, much of our conflict is external it's, it's between other people for some of us, it's a lot of internals. For some of us it's yelling at the sky right um, But if we don't have it, we're not here. we're not growing.'re we're, um, we're not expanding and pushing against our growing edges. On the edge there's difference right If I stay only in my comfort zone and I build a moat and you know and walls around me, I, I miss out. Um, so to be alive, just as you're saying, is to be able to participate in the in that great that great theater, um, the theater that uh, of life, right? Uh, all the world's a stage, right, Gary?
0: And right, and we are merely players, but play your role <laughs> and play it as well as you can.
2: Yeah, yeah, and what a gift, right? And as, as you were, you know, Susan was saying earlier, is how to try different ways. Um, and recognize that without all of these other players, we, it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, I love when you step on a martial arts mat and you bow, um, that you're saying, thank you for this opportunity to fight. Um, you know, I recognize that you could hurt or destroy me, so I'm not. there's no idiot compassion in it. Um, but I'm so thankful that I get to do this with you. Teach me what I have to learn. Um, and to, to approach life and to approach challenges in that way, uh, it really, it for me, shifts things. It teaches me how to love, love better. Um, and I feel like that's one of the reasons we've shown up here, to learn and you know, figure out how to love a little better.
1: It, it seems uh, to me, Deidre, that since conflict is really quite inevitable, that one perspective that you could take on it, given our conversation today, is that when a conflict arises, if you could remember that it will be resolved, it it may be a short time, it may be a long time, it may be a tiny conflict, it may be a big conflict, but doesn't everything get resolved eventually? We hope it's faster than slower, but to, to know at the outset this will be resolved somehow I think is a good way to involve yourself in a conflict. If you if you are doing a um, uh, um, one of the ancient practices of um, you know conflict, like a like a, a karate or something, you kind of know that you're starting out and you're bowing, but there will be an end to it. You're not fighting mm-hmm. forever you know, you're not fighting for, for years. (laughs) It, it, it has an end to it. And so I think that it, it, it helps if you, if you notice all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we don't, we don't agree on this, but know that there, there will be an end to it. It allows you to play the game, be in the drama knowing that it will be resolved at some point point. And not get into thinking, oh, this will never be resolved. This will never get resolved. I think that 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 is where a lot of that despair comes in. And what I'm hearing the conversation today is if if this is a lesson that we're getting, then it's good to know going into the lesson that there will be a beginning, a middle and an end to the process.
2: Yes, and, and I think, you know, you bring up a, a great point around impermanence, right? And we find that in every tradition around the world is that sense that everything changes. Everything changes. And that there's a comfort in that in some ways, especially when we're suffering. Um, and it's also an incredible fear in that because it means that unless you two have figured out something I don't know, is that we don't get to stay in these physical bodies um, forever, um, so there is that end. <laughs> we know that's coming. Right. Uh, the big end. <laughs> and, yeah, there's the big end. Um, and yet how to work with impermanence and uh, and to understand the nature of change um, can be really helpful. Uh, I think when I go into a conflict, as you you know, to, to reframe a little bit about what you say is, um, you know, in some ways, the, you know, there may not be a nice, tidy tie-up with, you know, with bows and ribbons, uh, an end to, a, you know, to a relationship or to, you know, a t- to a particular conflict. But the process itself, I know, holds opportunity for me, and that within it, I know that there is that I'm going to get better. So that's a, that's always a comfort for me. Um, And another recognition is, like I, you know, is what I might think of as as a, a beginning, a middle, and an end may look really different. But as you're saying, that change process is happening. Um, I'm growing and changing, you know, and you know all the studies that we've done around just kind of how our cells regenerate and our belief systems are, you know, hopefully regenerating. Um, you know, that, that, that in that process, there's opportunity, um, that there's growth, um, there's this possibility of expansion, and that, yeah, if I am in, in it um, and, I, and I can ride that wave, I'm, you know, that, that yes, yeah, there's going to be an end to where I am right now. Um, You know, because sometimes people will say, you know, it never felt like I fully resolved my conflict with my husband, you know, with my ex-husband. And yet, if, you know, if they're in in some ways, they're still holding on to the way things were supposed to be, right? That belief system, which we brought up earlier. Um, And so what is it, you know, sometimes the end is actually just saying, oh, I didn't really fully understand that situation um or oh uh today i'm going to practice forgiveness and the whole thing shifts um but yeah i so that's for me because i i get a little worried if i say there's going to be an end that i start to visualize what the end's going to look like and i and if i'm more excited about grateful for this opportunity to learn i do a whole lot better um you know seeing it as Seen at a school, seen at an opportunity. Um, around the world, they tell us, when conflict comes, be grateful. And uh, I
0: understand that. Hard and as, as I that get is. That. <laughs> That's right, because you get to yes. grow. You yeah. get to grow. You get the experience of resolving conflict. That's a peak experience. Deidre, we've loved having you on, and we got about 30 seconds, so please give us the titles once again of your book so people can buy them and read them and absorb all that wonderful material.
2: Oh, you're so great, Gary. Thank you. Um, the Way of Conflict is the first one, and that's uh, is Elemental Wisdom for Resolving Conflict and Transcending Differences. The next is Worst Enemy, Best Teacher, How to Survive and Thrive with Opponents, Competitors, and the People Who Drive You Crazy. There's a particular chapter for that. And the last is Thriving Through Tough Times, Eight Cross-Cultural Strategies to Navigate Life's Ordeals.
1: Thank you for being with us today, Deidre.
2: It's been a great conversation.
1: And we're going to
0: have you on a lot sooner.
2: (laughs) I'd love that. Plan on it. Let's make that happen.
0: (laughs) We will. Well, thank you so much. And our best to all the folks, uh, your wonderful husband, your family and friends out in Bozeman, Montana. Gorgeous country out there. Big sky country for sure. Thank you, Deidre Holmes, And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Coming up next, Suzanne. Jupiter Rising. That's with Eileen Grimes and our buddy Doug Johnston. They bring it. So stay tuned to Alternative Talk AM 1150. And I hope that you're right smack dab in the middle of a great weekend